Nobody plays on Sunday? It used to be like that. Huh. But why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Wait. But like normally tomorrow, they would not have any matches. Sorry, my tennis IQ is not very high <laughs> to know that, but okay. Um, I'll have to know more info on why, why they don't do that. Hey everybody, hey everybody. Welcome back to the Love Means Nothing podcast, episode 8. We're in the swing of Wimbledon. Me and Drew are actually recording this episode in the same room, so it may come out really good or really bad. We'll just kind of have to see. But excited to get down to talking about Wimbledon. Drew, how has it been for you watching the championships? It's kind of funny because like, I feel like we were going to record a pre-Wimbledon episode and then every round we're like, we'll do after this round, but then we want to see what happens in the next round. So it's like, we'll just keep waiting. And I think this is kind of the perfect time because I would say the early rounds are essentially finished. They're done. Uh, we're into the quarterfinals now and we're really getting down to the business end of the tournament. We've seen a lot of things kind of transpire that we can recap and we can also uh, look forward to the quarterfinals, both on the uh, men's and uh, the women's side. But for me, it's been, incredible thankfully i've had a like light week of work the first week of wimbledon so had that on in the office uh pretty uh pretty often i uh, was able to catch a lot of the early rounds uh on both the men's and the women's side yeah i mean i mean i can't wait to see what happens Iga ending her streak i think uh is really opened up the women's draw and on the men's side novak and rafa are just uh not having too much trouble really working their opponents as the number one number two seed so um, I just can't wait for the next week and to see what, what happens in all these matches. It's a very different, different tournament feels different, this major, for some reason. I'm not sure why, whether it's the points or a lot of the top players in the men's being out. We can talk about that as well. But it just feels a little different to me than usual. I don't know if you feel like that. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. It's definitely opened up for a lot of players, and a lot of guys have gotten some big opportunities, gotten deep in the draw. It's unfortunate that they're not going to get any points for that and be rewarded. But I think we are going to see Novak and Rafa in the finals by the looks of what we're seeing and kind of the ease that their draws have opened up with. Maybe Nadal, uh, we'll talk get into the details, but maybe his will be a little bit of a harder ride to the finals. But no, the women's as well. Interesting to see both the one and two seeds going out. So it's just a lot to talk about, but where do, where do we want to start off? I think let's just start because we've been watching it for a week and we've kind of recapped a little bit of what happened, but I kind of wanted to go to something specific. It, what has surprised you the most about Wimbledon so far or just something that has stood out to you so far? I think what's stood out to me so far, and it's pretty obvious and what is likely stood out to you as well, is the amount of seeds that we saw going out really early in the tournament and not not just any seeds, but seeds that we thought were on the men's side contenders to win the championships, whether it was Hubert losing his first round um, to Davidovich Fikina, or if it's Berrettini going out with COVID. These are two big names and other top seeds. Sissipas going out to Kyrgios, which is maybe a little bit expected, but a lot of the top seeds, some contenders for the tournament really out early, and that's really opened it up. So I think that's what's been most interesting for me. And also seeing some of these guys who 
you know, lower in the ranks, making it deep. So that's always nice to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at like Van Ritschaven, Jason Kubler, those kind of guys. It's opened it up a little bit. But if you just want to go down the rankings in the top 23, these are the people who were eliminated uh, after this, basically after the second round. Medvedev not playing, Zverev not playing, Kasper, Rublev, Felix, Herkaz, Berrettini, Schwartzman, Shapovalov, Chilich, Opelka, Batista, Gut, Dimitrov, Kachanov, Monfils. So that's, out of the top 23 players, just not uh, that many in the top uh, who, who are still continuing into the round three, which is really opening it up uh, a lot. And I think that the ranking points thing, I'll just say, is like we kind of predicted, getting a lot more pronounced once we get towards the latter stages of the tournament. So... Tomilanovic, for example, she made the quarters of Wimbledon last year. She was able to make the quarters again, but she's her ranking is going to drop like no matter what happens. So I think it's as predicted, kind of. Same with Christian Guerin, made the round of 16 last year, made the quarterfinals this year. The ranking points thing is just kind of weird to me. Yeah, definitely weird. Definitely something that we've touched on in the past, but um, it is interesting that we have eight non-Europeans in the fourth round for the first time since 1999. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But for me, I think that it was great to see the Americans having a lot of success at this tournament, especially Tommy Paul and Taylor Fritz. And I think that really is attributed to kind of their game style, uh, attacking tennis, taking the ball early, being able to move their opponents around the court. And in particular, uh, Tommy Paul, he's had a pretty – good run on the grass this year and I saw somewhere that was his first Wimbledon which I was honestly shocked by but you're seeing kind of his game style of taking the ball early jumping on his opponents and that has really paid dividends as it should on the grass so it was great to see those two guys and the Americans other guys like Nakashima making it all the way to the round of 16 so I think that's the Americans for me is what has really stood out in the Wimbledon so far no I, I totally agree uh Americans doing great the Australians as well Jason Kubler, Kyrgios, and then was there one? Who's Demon Orr. Demon Orr, who lost today uh, to Garrett as well. So I feel like we're kind of back in the 1980s. I will say the Herkaz loss to Davidovich Fakina was very disappointing because I feel like coming into the tournament after he beat Medvedev, people saw him as someone who could potentially contend for the title. And then to lose to Davidovich in the first round was extremely disappointing. Also disappointing to me that we didn't even get a chance to see Berrettini and Chilich play because of COVID. And I, I, it's a little weird to me that COVID is still so, I guess, prevalent that people are testing for it all the time and you're basically automatically withdrawing. I'm not sure if you know like the, what the regulations are with that or I, if it's a tournament-sponsored test or what. No, I, I saw somewhere where it said that Wimbledon is not requiring testing for the players. Okay. So I just, let's be candid, if I was sick, and I was trying to contend for a Wimbledon title, unless I was yes. so sick that I actually had to pull out of the tournament, I wouldn't test myself for COVID. And I you know, would just go about and try and play and get through my next match. And hopefully I would feel better after that round or the round after, and then be able to continue to contend for the biggest title in tennis, as opposed to getting tested for COVID and feeling like you have a moral obligation to step out of the tournament. So I don't know the severity of their... Chilish uh, and Berrettini. I don't know the severity of their disease um, that they had, the COVID-19. But um, if it was bad enough for them to have to withdraw, it makes sense. But it's also possible that it was like a mild cold that was you know not too severe and something they could have 
played through, which is some, which is what I think they should have done, um, what I would have done, and also nothing I would have held against them if it came out later that they had COVID um, during the tournament. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense anymore because it's been two and a half years at this point. In the past, people wouldn't withdraw because they had like a mild flu or a mild cough, unless you're Djokovic maybe earlier in his career uh, when he was withdrawing, <laughs> he was withdrawing a lot from a lot of tournaments. But uh, no, I agree. I think Berrettini and Chilich, especially Berrettini, could have worked their way through a first or second round, maybe if they were a little bit of, a little bit sick. But at some point, you're gonna have we're gonna have to return to COVID not being able to change the course of history in a major tournament just because it's COVID. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it is basically a cough. So, yeah, I mean, if we, you're vaccinated, we're, you know, we're, if you're we're vaccinated. having all these. I mean, we've we've touched on it on the pod, I think multiple times now, but you can't have these external factors, COVID, um, you know, the Russians, politicians doing something that the players have no effect on and, you know, really watering down the event. I don't want to, yeah, watering down. I don't want to say delegitimizing the event because whoever wins this, whoever won Australian Open, whoever wins this, whoever wins the US Open will certainly be a major champion. But it does um, kind of water down the field, no doubt. So that was disappointing to see uh, the guys who went out with COVID. But I think another story, a big one, which everyone is talking about, even even guys not in the tennis universe, Bill Simmons was chiming in. Um, I had people texting me who are not even tennis fans asking about this. And that was Nick Kyrgios and Stefanos Tsitsipas and the fireworks that went on during that match. So... My initial thoughts were that I will say most people that I've talked to, and I think including Drew, will get his yeah. take, but was that Nick was being a complete brat and, you know, he kind of deserved whatever he got and should have been penalized even more. But for me, it was honestly both of them were behaving pretty badly. And if Nick really needed to be reprimanded, the umpire should have done something. And it reflects in the fines that Sissy Poss what he did was seen as more severe than Nick. So I don't know what your initial thoughts are on that match. Yeah, so the Kyrgios to Tapas match and Nick Kyrgios specifically, I'm just going to say it feels like he's more dialed in this tournament with his tennis. He lost the first set against Stefanos, and I thought we were on, just from a tennis view, I thought we were going to full meltdown Nick Kyrgios mode, arguing with the umpire, not trying. But this is the first time I've seen him get into those conflicts, but continue to try and not tank or anything like that. So I think from a tennis perspective, seeing someone who's so talented and has a personality that is, has appeal to a mainstream audience, I guess you could say, is really good for the game. And like you said, it was trending on Twitter in America. And Nick Kyrgios, Stefano Sissipas, the match was on ABC. But at the same time, I personally feel like I get a little uncomfortable watching him doing things like berating the umpire, swearing a lot, uh, you, you know, using profanities. And even, to be honest, demanding that his opponent get defaulted. I think that's, that was a little cringeworthy for me. The fact that he is asking to not be out there anymore and not be on the tennis court and his opponent to get defaulted. I agree what Sissipas did was not within the rules. And we should talk about what the exact rules are because he hit the ball into the crowd and it hit someone. But they, the ruling from the chair was that they weren't, quote, injured, so you're not defaulted. But at the same time, like Kira said, at the U.S. Open, 
the woman who got hit said that she wasn't hurt either. So I don't actually know what the rules are. Yeah, I guess that's the rule that the person needs to be hurt. I, but also, what does that mean? How do you define a hurt? Like, that's a vague definition, isn't it? But I will say, I honestly disagree with you with, yes, it's a little bit cringe that Nick Curious was asking, was swearing so much, asking for Stefanos to be defaulted. However, if he was swearing too much, then the umpire should have stepped in, given him a warning for audible obscenity and then a point penalty and a game penalty if it continued. But also he has the right to say what he thinks in terms of Stefano's being disqualified for nailing the ball at um, the fan. Because quite honestly, when I saw that Stefano's hitting the ball at the fan versus what Novak hit at the, at the line judge, it was exactly the same thing. They're both hit the ball. Maybe Stefanos was even a little bit harder, but it's tough to tell. But they weren't really aiming for, it's not like they were viciously going after someone with a ball, but they did hit it in that direction pretty hard, not really taking any care in the world about where they were hitting the ball, and it ended up hitting someone. So while, yeah, sure, maybe it's not sportsmanlike for Nick to complain and cry and want Stefanos defaulted, I, I do see his point. And um, on the other end of that, I think everything that went on in that match, especially Nick Kyrgios himself, is great for the game of tennis. It's going to attract people uh, from other sports, uh, and it's going to be kind of something that everyone is going to look for, you know, for the rest of the year from him, and it'll definitely increase interest in the sport. I agree with you. Like, I saw I, there were people texting me about, who is this Nick Kyrgios guy? Like, I want to get into tennis. Like, I want to watch this match. But what I will say with Kyrgios is it's not just this match every match he finds a way to verbally berate the umpire verbally berate his opponent um he was he spit on fa some fans earlier this, in this event and was fine for that as well um he was verbally braying the umpire um so i agree that it's good for the game and I, the one thing i will say is also netflix has been following him this event so i think that that episode you know that episode will be great with all the drama that's built up. And I think, you know, it is good to bring a wide audience to tennis, but at the same time, like what, at what point would you say this is just too much, you know? Cause it's like sp spitting at fans, verbally abusing the umpire, all of that, yelling at his box. It just seems like for me, just, it's, I, get, I feel uncomfortable watching it. I think it's also like a lot, a lot of manufacture and not, He's, he's manufacturing something to be against so he can have an excuse if he loses the match. That's the way I see it. I, I don't think he has an excuse if he loses the match. I think what he does is, I mean, no, he's not a classy guy on the court. And, but I think as long as he keeps it kind of within the lines of the court, doesn't, you know, is it, he really shouldn't be swearing and stuff because that is against the rules. Uh, he shouldn't be doing that. But as long as he keeps it inside the court, keeps it in between points, he can talk. He can chirp the opponent the line judge I think that's totally fine and I think it brings more interest for for everyone and I don't think it really falls outside of the rules of the game so I think that he should um you know continue to do that while keeping it inside the court in between points and you know maybe tone down the swearing a bunch as well but also his um I feel like sometimes he plays the card that these mental health issues are of his are what contributes to him being an asshole and like I don't know if people watch Saturday Night Live but Pete Davidson 
he says, just because you have mental health, yeah. issues, it's not a ticket to be a complete asshole. Yeah. So I think he needs to also kind of find the line um, when he is being a little bit disrespectful, spitting at line judges, like throwing bottles at their chair. That's just unnecessary. I, yeah. So I think he needs to cut out some things, but I think a lot of people have you know, overblown what he's done a, l- a little bit. I think the one thing that we've always said when we talk about Kiros is, is that he's never really lived up to his potential on the court. And that makes his tantrums on the court even worse because you're not producing the result. And I think this tournament is where that has flipped. It's like, you can kind of excuse him as a fan because he's actually putting in the performances on the court and giving his all and he's not tanking, you know? First round against Paul Jubb, he could have tanked in that match. He was down, lost a set in the fifth set, complaining a lot. But even though he was complaining, he was still trying. One in five sets. This match loses the first set to Tsitsipas, comes back, and the level of tennis he's playing, he's trying. And we've always said, is he not trying because he doesn't want to feel the pressure? It was clear that he was trying in this match. Lost the first set, came back, won the next two sets, and the fourth set was down love 40. Just came up with a bunch of clutch serves, clutch forehands. And then when it came to the tiebreak, I mean, I think that was the best tennis that I've seen him play this entire tournament. So he rose the occasion when he was trying. And then let's just go to today against Brandon Nakashima. Again, not playing his best tennis, had a little issue with his shoulder, and came through in five sets. And I feel like Nick's not the guy you usually say is coming through in a gritty five-set match. So just when it comes to on the court, he does have a different mentality, which I think, agree. I agree, sometimes can kind of excuse some of the bad behavior because he's actually putting the results and giving entertainment on the court as well as his kind of antics, you know? Um, I think he's come a long way since 2019. He said this, this is a quote from him. In 2019, his agent had to come get him out of a pub at 4 a.m. before playing the doll. He has a different mindset now where he apparently he's only gonna have like maybe one glass of wine or something after the match. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what he does. feels like his whole career has been defined by Wimbledon and playing it all. You're right in some senses. But also, I was, I was always fine with him, you know, throwing a tantrum on the court. If he wants to do that in the first round and lose, yeah, it's a shame that he's wasting his talent. But let him do that as long as he's staying within the rules. If he wants to complain and whine when he's in the semifinals of Wimbledon, that's okay with me too. But I, what I've never been okay with is him Tanking. sitting – well, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of him tanking. But the worst thing for me is him sitting at home in Australia, you know, when he was taking some time off. Do that. Do whatever you need to do. Don't play when you want to play. But don't sit at home, barely play for a year, and then say, yo, I'm the greatest person. I'm, like, a top ten player. I'm better than Novak. I'm better than, like, all these. I beat all of them. Yeah, that's true. But also, like, come out to the courts and play some tennis. And, like, I didn't disagree with what he was saying, that he's – you know, a lot better than these guys and is more talented. I didn't disagree with that. But also, you just shouldn't be saying that when you're sitting on your ass now playing tournaments. And now he is playing tournaments. He is performing. So, you know, let him say whatever he wants at this point. I mean, what do you think of his comments after the match? So he said, I have a lot of friends in the locker room. Stefanos has no friends. I'm bad for the sport. People say that. But every time I play, it's a packed stadium. And then he calls Stefanos soft. Says, his, says the guys he plays basketball with in Australia, like his random friends in Australia, are much more intense. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on the comments about his opponent? And he's also said in the past that he's friends with Stefanos' little brother, like really close to him apparently. So I don't know why he would, he would say that. But, you know, 
Yeah, I think it was it was a bit of a low blow at Steph, those kind of comments. And also, like, I don't know if he has the right to talk about it, that Steph doesn't have friends in the locker room. I don't know if Kyrgios is a cool guy, but he also does seem like he has some problems. So um, there's, no need to co- there's no need to comment. There's no need to bring that side of, um, you know, Stephanos' life and your life into the – into the press conference unless you are just want you wanting to be a dick and be a bully as Stefano said. Yeah, so, it's kind of proving um, Stefano's point that he's a bully. Right. He is right. I agree with Stefanos that he is like a bully and it's like it's just like it's just not cool to do that. And I, the trash talk on the court is totally fine, but just being a complete asshole off the court is not. And and I, I do but I also at the same time I do think on the court, Stefanos needs to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, totally. He can't. I Stefanos can't be like complaining about. Oh, there's so much talk coming from the other side. Like, dude, come on. You're a professional athlete. Like, you can deal with that. You should be able to deal with that, and just you know, also stop whining. So Stefanos think, was rattled that whole match. He was so rattled. He, yeah, he was rattled, and he let him affect him. And and it's just you know, you're, he's gonna see he's gonna see kegs again. Whether it's yeah. whether it's on the court or in a bar fight, they're gonna see each other again. So um, it'll be interesting to see see what happens when. I know Tomic and Tomic challenged Kyrus to a boxing match, and Kyrus said no because you're not. You're still, Tomic told Tomic that he was on the Futures tour. Maybe we can do like a charity a, a boxing match between Stephanos and, and Nick. That I would pay a lot of money to watch. And and honestly, these guys, Kyrus and Bernard, from literal like. Bernard, actually, no, I can't say Bernard. I just one time I was in Australia, very cool experience. I was at some nightclub, saw him there, very cool. He was partying, I was partying. It was like, you know, it was a great time. I saw him, it was cool. But Nick, we we have firsthand personal experience seeing him be just a complete asshole yeah. to someone yeah. that that he doesn't even know. So I think we should tell this story. Yeah, it's you a, can you can tell it. You want me to tell it? Yeah, sure. I'll tell the story. So it was around the U.S. Open time, just maybe mid mid-first week of the U.S. Curious Open. Kyrgios had already lost. Yeah, Kyrgios had already lost. And we were obviously in New York watching the matches, and we wanted to play tennis one day. So we went to the John McEnroe Tennis Center um, in New York somewhere to play. And we were hitting on a court indoors, and it was very cool. Nick Kyrgios was, you know, two courts down from us hitting. So that was awesome. And then after we finished playing, we went upstairs, and we're kind of right by his court watching him hit with – would seem to be a college player or someone maybe in their yeah. like you know college player mid twenties early twenties but just like a hitter guy, and this guy was maybe he wasn't getting the ball as cross court as Nick wanted and Nick just starts fucking chirping him and saying bro like you don't know how to play tennis like yeah. what are you doing like get the ball cross court just be complete dick to this some guy game. that he had just met he was telling him how bad he was at he's like basically yeah right? the guy who John Macron had like gotten to him exactly and John McEnroe was also there right so it was like it was just like why are you being such an asshole for no reason yeah. you know what I mean and like honestly he can see him probably if he heard us saying this he would say oh like you know everyone like gets mad sometimes yeah. or whatever but like are you going to your job how often are you going to your job and just like cussing someone out and just like being a complete dick for for no reason yeah for know? no reason not someone you have a relationship with where it's like maybe you can get into a fight or something like that just a random guy that you're putting down for no reason the other thing I'll, we can just finish on this is that he gets pissed at the ball boys and ball girls too who are like 12 to 15 years old and because he wants to you know serve at a fast pace go at a fast pace we saw that in the Stephanos match um he will like 
throws arms up at the ball kids and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm like I said, a, a fan of Kiros because of his ridiculous level of tennis that I think is at its peak level better than anyone on tour. I think it's better than Djokovic, better than Rafa. He does things on the court that you just don't think are possible, and for his appeal to the greater audience and uh, bringing tennis mainstream. But I'm not a fan of him as a as a human being. I guess it, I, he's arguably the greatest tennis player of all time. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> he's not the greatest tennis player of all time. Sure. He might be the most talented player of all so, time. Okay, most talented, he's not a... great. Sorry, not greatest. Talented, yes. I mean, <laughs> not, not the greatest of all time. Obviously, not the greatest of all time. But the most most talented. Him and Roger. Him and Roger. Yeah, maybe you could. I think I think it's Roger and then him, or him and then Roger in terms of talent. Yep, yep. Um, so he's got Christian Garrett in the next round, but I think that's enough Nick Curious talk for now. That's a lot of Nick Curious yeah. talk. There's a lot of Nick Curious talk, but but I mean I mean he gets a lot of talk because he's always and he deserves credit for that win against against Sitsipas. Yeah, it was a good win. He had a good a good um, good match against Nakashima as well. So um, we'll see how far. Do you think he can win the tournament? Quickly before we yes, move on, I think he can win the tournament. I think so. Too. He can win it for he sure. Certainly, he can certainly do it. He he can win. If this tournament was played fifteen times, he would definitely win one. Assuming he continues to try, which I think he will. Well, you have to factor that into your decision. Do you think he's going to try? I think he's going to try because he likes the big moments, and at this point, every match is a big match. I also think because the Netflix cameras are following him, it makes you try more. Why would you tank and want your episode to be like you losing? He would care about that. His image means so much to him. And the other thing we've heard is that he's talking, he's been talking about recently how he wants to be remembered in the sport as some sort of pioneer or trailblazer. And I feel like what we always say is that you cannot, you're not going to be remembered as anything if you don't do anything memorable. But if he's able to win Wimbledon, then he probably will be remembered as something, right? Everyone's going to remember him. His name will always be in the history books. And maybe we will remember him as something that was just different. It was so amazing and was able to win Wimbledon. Yeah, exactly. And he can do a lot for the sport and turn it around and bring in some new, a new demographic of viewers. So that, that, that could be fun. But moving on, now we got to get into... Center and Alcaraz. Carlitos, your thoughts on the match? Carlitos against Yannick Center. This was the you know, matchup of the next generation. Probably both guys are going to be in the top five moving forward for the next 10 years. Um... I feel like with Carlos, this tournament, it's kind of gone on a bell curve where in the beginning I was not expecting much from him because of his results at hurling him where he lost to Casper Ruud pretty easily. He just didn't seem like comfortable on the grass court. And after almost losing to Struff in the first round, five sets. So I was a little, I guess, apprehensive, but then he destroyed Oscar Ott and looked amazing. And he played center in um, the fourth round, and I was thinking to myself, you know, Alcaraz is the favorite. I think he's going to win. And then center just looked amazing. The first two sets, he blew him off the court. His movement was so much better. I was not expecting this kind of performance from center. Carlos came back, fought back, fended off match points, won the third set, and then center just came right out in the fourth and broke him and won. So I would say center is now 7-17 against the top 10. He's still only 20 years old. This is second top 10 win in a major. I think this is the most impressive win of Sinner's career. And I think it's a little disappointing for Alcaraz. Like, let's be honest here. He's, he's lost. Did he lose in the quarterfinals of the French Open? Yeah. He, is that the Zverev? 
Yeah. That Qu- was the quarters, yeah. Quarters of the French. He lost, I think, in the fourth round of Australian Open. And he lost in the fourth round of Wimbledon. So I think Alcaraz's meteoric rise to being the next superstar in tennis is being stunted a little bit. And I think me, you, and a lot of other pundits out there kind of forgot about another 20-year-old player, Yannick Sinner, who has not had a quote-unquote breakthrough match yet, but I think this might be the one. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is the I don't know if you can consider it a breakthrough match, given that he was playing Alcaraz, who's on a surface where he had no practice matches, not comfortable. We saw him training on a synthetic grass court before he came to Wimbledon. Not something you probably want to be doing. I don't know why he was doing that. I do think Sinner played very well. His movement was good. And I also think another reason that Sinner maybe got the best of him on the grass is because Sinner has is, – he's more he's a more compact player than Alcaraz. Alcaraz likes to, you know, to have those big, 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 really big strokes, which will work. And he's strong enough to do it on the hard and the clay. But on the grass, it's just something that will hold you back. And I'm sure something that he'll – tweak over the years to come and he'll get better on the grass but center just keeps everything compact um can go big can go you know not as big but i think he's just a more compact player which his game style suits the grass a little bit more and let me finish let me finish and center but like i said i just don't i don't think this is going to be considered a breakthrough for center i think he needs to be um you know if it was carlos maybe on clay or hard it would have been a little bit it would have meant a little bit more but this was Carlos on grass, so I don't think um, it is really the breakthrough match for him. Although maybe he can get a hold of Novak, I don't think so, but it's possible. And also, you said that this is you know kind of st- a stunt for Carlos, and I don't agree with that. I don't think that there was a lot of expectation on him I didn't on say the grass. Start. You said it's he's been stunt. You said he's been stunted his growth as the next. You know, I oh, yeah, 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 stunted. Exactly. Right. I don't think it's been stunted. I think this is one tournament where he had a loss. I don't think, you know, people were expecting him to do well. I don't, I mean, I don't want to say he wasn't expecting him to do well, but I, I honestly. Okay, can I just I, interject here? Yeah. There, there's two majors in a row now. First against Zverev, where he was a favorite, and against Sinner, where he was a favorite, where he came out in the first two sets and just didn't play well at all. It wasn't like it was close. Like, in, in the. In the first set, he lost 6-1 to center, then 6-4. And same thing was Varev. Came out, looked just like looked like a deer in the headlights. Kind of. And if, if you're going to say this is going to be the next superstar of tennis, and you're saying he didn't have any practice on the grass, he destroyed he destroyed Greek sport in straight sets and Atta in straight sets. So I, I don't know. Like Here's the thing. like Center's 20, right? Carlos is 19. Center's already made the quarterfinal of every Grand Slam except the U.S. Open. Sinner, so I think you were, we're not giving him his due that much based on... Sinner has had more... He's been on the tour longer than Carlos, like a year. He's had a, right. That, the, just think about it. And they've, you know, they're you know, one year apart. A one year at that age is a lot just in terms of experience. Like I, I just feel like Sinner's been there a lot more than Carlos has. So I think that's why I'm saying you know, he has a lot more experience and we can't count this match as something that is going to be a determinant of who's going to be taking the reins of tennis. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this to me legitimizes Sinner a little bit more coming into a big environment like this. We have to give him credit for this win. Is what I'm saying. Like so I'm saying for me I think it's really I'm giving him a lot of credit. Where do you stand on that? 
Because I think it's close to a breakthrough, maybe not a breakthrough. Like, do you, so you think you think Carlos is that a breakthrough? I guess being a sixth class, you'd say at the U.S. Open in terms of slams. I mean, what is it, a break? I mean, he won. He won a Masters one thousand too. Yeah, that's that's pretty big. Winning a Masters one thousand, getting. I mean, he got to the quarters of of the French. I know Sinner's done it at all the slams now, but yeah. um, I don't think, I think Carlos, he's just, it's just the spotlight has been on him more because he's a little bit newer than Sinner. And we're just starting to forget a little bit about Sinner, but he is right there and he may, may be better than Carlos, but I just think that the, the spotlight was a lot on Carlos. And now I think it's just going to, I don't think it's going to move back to Sinner unless he beats Novak, but I just think it's coming off of, Carlos just a little bit and I, I, I don't want to discount this win against Carlos it's very much extremely big he's now achieved something I don't think a lot of the younger guys have on tour with getting to every quarterfinal so I don't want to discount that but I also don't think we can put so much weight um, on this match I think we'll have to see I really hope they play again at the U.S. Open swing or even better at the U.S. Open and then we can center center has been to every quarterfinal U.S. Open round of 16 but would you say that if Sinner beat Djokovic in the quarters and then lost in the semis, that would be more impressive than anything that Carlos has done in terms of the one tournament? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Okay. I would say so, just because it's, it's, it is the probably biggest match, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it, would, it, would, it would be bigger. This is the first time I've watched Sinner, just to be honest, and been like, I think he's really like a real deal, like Grand Slam champion level tennis player. Which we kind of knew because of how his age. We knew it, we knew it would come. Which right. Is what wasn't the case at the time. So right. it, it seems to be coming now. And he's still young enough where he can win, you know, to obviously a ton of slams. So uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see. And we'll just, I think the thing with Novak will be like, well, he doesn't give Novak any trouble. Because I think Novak could destroy him in straight sets. Right? Yeah, I would I, predict I, that. I, I would predict that too because there's nothing about Sinner's game style. He's basically, that would trouble Novak. Everything, no, everything, everything is predictable. Yeah. And we go bashing when, center again after when, his when, career win. When everything's predictable, that's when and there's no nothing like I'm not saying his shots are like he's top ten in the world, whatever, but it's not the type of ball that would give give Novak trouble. I think it's something where Novak would actually could would love that rhythm and will really get into the match, hopefully, and may honestly destroy him in three sets. It's possible. Yes, I think if Sinner can't get a set or make it interesting at all, that is a step back. Like, all these matches matter a lot. Yeah, I think that's all I really have to say for this. Sinner, Alcaraz, and Sinner in general. I think, yeah, yeah. I and think. we're going to learn a lot from this quarterfinal against Djokovic. When is that's tomorrow? Right? Yeah. So, I guess if you're listening to the pod, it'll be... I'll probably get the pod out tomorrow, so that it'll probably after be... After the Sinner-Djokovic match. It'll probably be after the Sinner-Djokovic yep. match, um, unfortunately, but... But at least you can hear and the other thoughts thing, from before. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, also send us your thoughts on the whole, uh, you know, Senator Alcaraz and then Curios uh, as well. So send us yeah. your thoughts on what you think. Um, yeah, we've been getting some good engagement, which we, we appreciate. want to obviously go back and thank the fans. We didn't do that in the beginning. But we've been getting some nice tweets from people saying they enjoyed the pod and that kind of it's a good entertaining way. So we'll try and keep that going. I think this one's a little bit tough because we're doing it in a different format than usual. I just feel like it's not... Flowing was well and not as funny. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But it, it, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep improving. We appreciate appreciate the tweets from all of you around the world saying you like the pod and we're we also apologize for taking a long break over a week. 
from getting an episode out, and we certainly will try not to do that again. But um, wanted to take a second to thank thank all the fans. Um, Nat, what do we what do we want to get into? Let's talk about Rafa and Novak, basically the two favorites. That's interesting. Talked about center a little bit. Now let's talk about the two blue chips, the two big guns, the two guys that are part of the big three, very much alive in this tournament, playing both incredible tennis. Rafa and Novak. Let's start with Rafa. I was a little concerned with him at the beginning of the tournament. I think he lost, you know, he lost a set to Serendulo, looked like he was down the fourth, um, lost a set to Barankis, which, I mean, that's, you shouldn't be losing a set to Barankis, but slowly building two straight set wins in a row against seeded opponents, beat Sanego and Van de Zanschlup. And it looks like another improbable rise, where before the tournament, I was just like, I don't know if Nadal's going to be able to do great in this tournament. He'll fall off. But 18 and 0 in Grand Slams, and he just continues to win, right? What do you mean 18 and 0 in Grand Slams? This year, this season. Oh, oh. he's won every match in Grand Grand Slams this season. He won the French Open, he won the freaking Australian Open, and he's continuing to win. Yeah, honestly, I, I kind of had the same feeling and thoughts as you. I was like, coming in, I was like, Nadal may kind of go out early, early-ish, whatever that means for these guys. But seeing the way he's building now, I, I think he could potentially win the tournament. I, I'm really intrigued, honestly, to see the Fritz yeah. and Nadal match. That'll be extremely interesting. But if he gets through that, I think it's – I think it's – He'll definitely has a very good chance at winning it. I would almost give it like 60-40 Novak, maybe 55-45 Novak Rafa. Like, I think it's I, close. I don't know. If Rafa's playing Novak in the finals, Rafa basically has nothing to lose. And Novak is going to be so nervous. I guess this kind of goes to one of the questions we had that we can get in get to. Who has the most pressure on them at this point in the tournament? I think that's like not even worth talking about because I think it's Novak. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough to have a – long conversation about that one and he's yeah. hard to have any dialogue at all because it's just so obvious he's you know if he loses this major it's <laughs> bad if he loses this major and Nadal wins this major oh my gosh like, he's like gonna lose his mind okay. and then also coupling that with he won't be able to play another major until the French Open next year so yeah, so this could let's be move really, into talking about Novak. It, yeah, it could be it could be a dagger for him. But that being said, I think he he's been looking very good in his last couple yeah. matches. Um, beginning of the tournament, he was nervous as he's been in slams. Um, in the beginning, since the U.S. Open, that's when we really saw the nerves creeping in. But I think he's starting to get a hold of his game and is playing some really solid tennis. And we'll see. This center match is going to be a really good one for him to um, play a very high-level opponent and probably have a really good match and then have a little confidence going into uh, his semifinal likely against – who is he likely to play? Nori or Goffin. So shouldn't have a problem with either of those guys. Yeah, so, so basically yeah, if, so he, if, good, he, yeah. if he beats Sinner, I think he's in at the finals. Yeah, and I think he will beat Sinner. I'm not too worried. I think Nadal has a way harder path. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, like, talking about the draw, like, yeah. that's just un- – I'm, it's not even questionable. The, the bottom half has Taylor Fritz, Kyrgios, Nadal. And Christian Guerin. And Christian Guerin. <laughs> so. Christian, who has lost a lot of weight this season. We saw, yeah. him, we saw him in Australia yeah. Yeah. at the, whatever it's called, Team Cup. Yeah. He looks so out of shape. Uh, he looked fat. 
and now he's yeah. in the quarters of Wimbledon. So shout out Christian. That's an amazing transformation of your game and your body. And the fact that he, it's all this, it's like, for Christian Garrett, it's great because not only did he, you know, make the quarterfinals better than last year out of 16, but he's taken advantage of like Berrettini not being in the draw and has kind of slipped into that like seated. Is that, role. I, didn't even, I didn't even know what section of the draw yeah, he, he, he was. Yeah, he was in the Berrettini. He section. was going to play Berrettini. Well, like but he second, played third, first second. round. First round. Oh. But he played a lucky loser, so he was kind of like that seed in that section at that point, ultimately. And it's great that he was able to come back from two sets to love down against Demon Orr, one of the fittest guys on tour, and win in five sets. I mean, that's so impressive. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> something that's unbelievable. I would have, you know, would have thought that would be impossible for him, but it was really good to see. With that being said, once it got to the fifth set, I had a feeling that Garen was going to win because I, I just, I can't, pull out examples i want to say the one t- one i can maybe pull that comes to mind is first round of the u.s open when fritz played demon or i don't know if it was four or five sets i think it was yeah. four but it was a tight match and demon or just didn't really come up clutch even though it's he's an amazing athlete and has some insane points he didn't really come up clutch when he needed to in that match against fritz um so just, I mean, I know I'm only citing one match, but based on that, I wasn't too shocked, and that's why I thought kind of Garen was, was going to win when they went into that um, went into that fifth set. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting when you talk about like clutch players. I saw some stat about Fritz. Something he's like in final set tiebreaks or something. He's like 19 and three or something crazy like that. Um, so yeah, Fritz is Fritz is a clutch player. Let's just go over to the quarterfinals. Let's just talk about the quarterfinals, like. And we can kind of run through it. We talked about Sinner against Novak. Ben, it's like a barometer match for where Sinner is in his career, if he can give Novak any trouble. I think Novak's going to win that. I think you think Novak um, is going to win that. Nori against Goffin. Now, both guys, incredible that they're in the quarterfinals. Nori is officially a Brit. Um, he's playing under the British flag. He, he's, I think he grew up mostly in New Zealand, um, played for New Zealand a little bit, but... He's playing for Britain, which is great. So we have a Brit in the quarterfinals. Give us your thoughts on that, Drew. Do you think, what do you think about Nori playing under the British flag after he had played under the New Zealand flag in the juniors, which was some a, a nice fact that Drew actually gave me. But uh, So what are your thoughts on him playing uh, um, under, under the British flag? I'll say that I don't notice the same energy in the Wimbledon crowd for Cameron Nori as opposed to someone like a... Um, you know, Jack Draper, Heather Watson, or Katie Bolter. I'm not sure why that is. Um, he was born in South Africa. He grew up in New Zealand most of his career. Um, played for two years in high, no, lived in England for two years long in, during high school. But other than his parents being from Britain, doesn't have too much connection. But at the same time, if you're choosing to play under a certain flag, I feel like you should get that respect. I mean, we have both have British citizenship you know, you didn't live in Britain. I was born there, so I guess maybe that's a little more. So I think we might be in a similar boat to him. But I think if he's playing under the British flag, he should get the same support. It just doesn't feel like that, though. Yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't feel like that. I also, what, do you think it's like justified? I think that I I, I would be. I'm trying to. I'm trying, I think I'm, it is a I'm little. Trying, I'm trying to put it. I kind of yeah. It is justified. Yeah. What, what comes to mind for me is. Um, I don't know if the listeners know the skier girl 
Eileen Gu. Yeah. She's American. She's right. born here yeah. and raised here. And then she competes for China in the skiing. I don't and think we're, we're not comparing that to Cameron Norrie necessarily directly, but it's a similar like concept. Right. right. <laughs> it's a similar concept. I'm yeah. not like, yeah, it's a similar concept. Obviously, that's, that's an extreme example. This is more kind of real. I think it's fine that he competes for Britain. Um, for sure. parents are from there. He lived there, I guess, for two years. So, but I think, yeah, I guess you're talking more in terms of the energy from the crowd, which is sad. Shame, shame on the British crowd for not getting after Cam Norrie. So uh, I will be supporting Cam Norrie. I mean, we could legitimately have a Brit in the semifinals. It feels like the hype is just not really there. We could have a Brit winning the tournament. Okay, so let's talk about his opponent, <laughs> David, I don't know about that. David Goffin. Goffin. Again, similar to Garen, both guys who like started their year terribly, losing every single match. I thought Goffin might have been done, to be honest. But just took advantage of such a, like, a good draw and is through. I think, I think probably Kenori will win that. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think Nori. But I think win. Goffin, I would not be surprised if Goffin. I think it's honestly they're very similar game styles. It's going to be a really fun, long match to watch. There's going to be a lot of long points. So I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I think Norway's going to win, but it's basically two replica players playing each other. But it's, it's like also left against the right. Someone looking in a mirror playing the other guy. But it is great that Goffin has gotten back to kind of some wins. I know he had a terrible, terrible start to the year. I saw him. I saw him in Indian Wells, and it was just sad. I was like, shit, I feel bad for this guy. He's yeah, he looks no confidence. Sucking this. so bad. like It was just awful. And now, you know, he has a tournament win under his belt, and now in the quarters of Wimbledon. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go Nori as well on that, but good to see your fan back, certainly in the mix. Um, and yeah. Garen Kyrgios, do you think Garen can do anything to trouble Kyrgios? If Kyrgios is not injured, yet, okay, yeah, his arm was hurting a little. I think Nick's like arm was hurting. Um, so other than that being an issue, no, I don't think Garen can has any chance against Nick. No chance at all. No chance. No chance. If if Nick is trying and he doesn't have a meltdown, you know, or something like that, and just starts tanking. Um, yeah, I don't think. I mean, what about Garen's game could possibly trouble him? Yeah, I mean, no, honestly, no. I was just, I was literally just trying to think of what I could possibly say. Yeah, to say that Garen would have even a chance, but but he doesn't. As happy as we are for Garen too, like he beat his road to the finals is not like amazing. He beat Elias Humer, then he beat Hugo Grenier, he beat Brooksby, and then he beat you know Demonor. That was a great win actually. Um, but I think Demonor would have had probably a better chances. Was curious, just more weapons and stuff. Yeah, probably. Ah, no, no way. I disagree <laughs> think, with that. I, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I mean, I think Demonor would have gotten. It would have been an Aussie Aussie matchup. So Kyrgios would have been really fired up for it. Uh, and I think Demonor just kind of puts. Well, he gets gets the ball on the court. He's very consistent. He's very athletic. But Kyrgios is just over would overpower Demonor. I think if it was Demonor or Garen, Kyrgios is. And the curious that is at you know a good level doesn't even need to be his highest level. I think he's dominating either of those guys. Have they ever played Curios and Garen? Not Garen. Curios. He's never played De- Garen, but Demonor. Uh, I don't know. Let's look it up. Zero zero. Curious has never played Demonor. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Curious will win. Fritz against Rafa. 
Fritz has been playing amazing tennis. He's been blowing people off the court. He is like Alex Molkan, that match, like I thought could be potentially not an issue for him, but like I thought Molkan would have maybe a chance to get a set playing amazing, be destroyed Marcos Hiron. But I've never seen a rhythm on serve like Taylor Fritz is going right now. And he also is like has a good return, good strokes. I don't I don't see any weakness from him. Other than maybe like running into the net that he's like not super fast, but side to side he's fast. He's in the zone right now. He's in the mindset, and it's hard to take him out of it, but I think Rafa probably could. But I think that's probably going to be close to 50-50 for me, the Rafa against Fritz. Yeah, Fritz is, you know, started off the grass. He's not great. Amazing showing in Eastbourne, playing phenomenal tennis now. And as he says all the time, he's a confidence-based player. (laughs) He's a confidence-based player, and he most certainly has confidence after what occurred in Eastbourne and how he's been playing at Wimbledon. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to say Fritz beats Rafa. Uh, he, he beat him, he beat him in um, Indian Wells. I guess Rafa was hurt, but also he was hurt at that event too. Right. No, yeah. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say he beats Rafa. Who did Rafa beat last round? Who did Rafa beat last round? <laughs> he beat Botic like two, four, two, and six. He beat Sonic at six, one, six, two, six, four. Whatever. That's my, that's my upset. That's my upset. I just, I am, I'm, I'm just not p- picking against Rafa. I just, we keep picking against Rafa. We keep underestimating this. Do we game. ever? I, do we pick against Yeah, him? we picked Djokovic to win the French Open, both of us. Yeah, I also well, picked I, Medvedev to win the Australian Open. Uh, oh. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, <laughs> so we keep picking against Rafa. I, I, you're not picking against him. I'm picking against him this time. So. I agree that, like, for Taylor could win. For sure. I, I'm not saying that he has no chance, like, I'm saying Sinner has like no chance against Novak or um, Garrett has no chance against Kira. So I think this is at least the one where, you know, has the biggest chance of an upset. But I also think probably will phase Fritz a little bit, right? Wimbledon center court against the Null. There has to be something mentally there. I don't know. He honestly, I will say, he looks really mentally sound everywhere he plays. He yeah. never looks rattled. So I, I don't think, you may, if you think that's an issue for him, I, I disagree. I it helps that he played Rafa in the finals of Indian, Indian Wells. Wells center court as well. Yeah. Not Wimbledon, but it's still a big stage. I don't think that the stage will, will rattle him at all. So, I, I think... Would you be surprised if Rafa beats him in straight sets, like 6'4", 6'3", 6'2", kind of thing? That easily? Yeah. yeah. I, I would, That's, I would be shocked. If it was that easy, I would be shocked and be like, oh my god. Like, <laughs> Rafa's going to be going for the calendar slam yeah. in US Open. I also think that if... So, like, Curious Nadal. We have Curious Nadal in the semis based on our predictions. I think Nadal would beat Kyrgios. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think Nadal would beat Kyrgios. Yeah. I don't think Kyrgios can keep it together no. for that long. So That would be box office. That would be box office. A Kyrgios, also a Kyrgios Djokovic final. Oh my god. That would be just... I would, I'm, okay, look, I'm not a, I'm a pro Rafa, but just for the sport, if Kyrgios somehow won the tournament or got to the finals? Got to the finals or won the tournament. It would be the most watched tennis match. The finals would be the most watched tennis match probably ever. You think so? I think so. Yeah. You had Bill Simmons. We talked about this a little bit earlier. He was tweeting, live tweeting the Kyrgios match, live tweeting, uh, you know, against Tsitsipas. Not only, not only the Tsitsipas match, but he was also, he was also live tweeting, um, the Brandon Nakashima match. So the mainstream people, he's, he has that holdover effect here. So you watch him once, 
and you want to watch him again. You know, Bill Simmons said, Nick Kyrgios has me rooting against American, an American on the 4th of July. That's when he was playing Nick, when he was playing Nakashima. So it's one thing for people to tune in tennis when there's a final or it's a big event. It's another thing for these like mainstream sports guys to be watching a, Nick Kyrgios against Brandon Nakashima in the morning. I'm, I'm, re- I will say, I'm, I will say, I'm really happy that he's watching the tennis. But for God's sake, I don't want to hear these guys on ESPN, Bill Simmons, any of these clowns giving their like opinion, opinion on tennis because they don't know jack shit. I, I disagree with that. Like yeah. what? They don't know anything about the sport. You hear them talking about it. They they use wrong terminology that's just completely wrong. But would you rather have tennis have more awareness in general, even if it's people who are stupid, like Stephen A. Smith talking about well, UFC? Well, here's he has thing. no idea what he's talking about UFC, but the just having the spotlight on tennis as if it's like kind of a big deal to people. They care about it. To me, that's more important than necessarily having the perfect analysis. They can they can talk about it without getting technical with regards to the matches. They can talk about the storylines and give some background. I don't think they're going to do that, though. And they can bring on someone who's a tennis expert. Um, but I, I, I've heard in the past, the very few times they talk about tennis, just making themselves sound like just absolute clowns. I agree with that, but I think anything that promotes the game more... Like this Netflix thing, for example. The Netflix like, thing is great. It's coming out. So, like, the Netflix thing is either going to extremely dramatize tennis and make it look like something it's not, which will bring more fans to the sport, or it will just be, like, normal and mellow and not bring more fans. I'd rather have them be a little unrealistic and bring more fans into the sport and be a little dramatized and stuff like that. Exactly. I want. I want. I, exactly. I want to bring them to get to as many people as possible and bring in as many people to the sport. Like I don't care if you don't know anything about tennis and you're watching. Like that's that's great. I don't. You know. And I also don't mind if tennis fans don't know anything. Like you think when we're talking about like basketball, we don't know anything it's about fucking defenses or offenses or football. Same thing. Like if if you want tennis to go mainstream, there's gonna be people who have no idea what to talk about. And I'm fine with that. I'm, not, pretend I'm to fine. Talk. I'm fine with that. That's totally fine. I'm just saying. I'm just saying these these big anchors should. They should find a way to cover tennis properly. They also don't know anything about the other sports they talk about, but they're way more popular. You know? Yeah, I guess. Also, I'll just say on the basketball. They, I don't I don't talk about if I'm with people that play basketball, I don't I don't like say something and you know, I'll ask questions about basketball. If I'm with people that play basketball, I'm not gonna say what's going on. Or I'll say, This is happening. Is that right? You know? Yeah, I think this, <laughs> the only parallel to that is F one where it was there's a lot of these F1 fans who have been fans forever before Drive to Survive, and they hate the new fans that are in the sport because they just don't know anything about Formula One and, like, the tires and stuff like that. So, like, every all the specific strategy. But at the same time, that single Netflix show has probably made Formula One tens of billions of dollars and raised greatest awareness of the sport. So if you're a Formula One fan who has been a fan maybe before the Drive to Survive show and you've seen your sport blow up, in America, maybe like throw us a DM or let us know how you felt when the sport gained a lot of fans that were not necessarily knowledgeable. Because I feel like me and Vin are kind of in opposite. He's more of a tennis purist, tennis, I don't know what you call it, elitist, but just wants to preserve everything that's about the sport, you know? And for me, I'm more like, I want, it doesn't matter. I don't care if they don't know anything. I want people to talk about it. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying the guy, I'm saying anyone who's at the matches can watch. Right. Like that, and it's fine. I want as many people to come as possible. What I don't want is these guys on the news trying to talk about tennis 
and butchering the sport, make saying stuff that doesn't make any sense. That's just yeah, that's just not because that's we not disagree. educating. Because look, hypothetically, you have someone that's a new fan to the sport, right? right? Uh, that doesn't know anything about tennis, which I think is fine. You think is fine, and then they're watching like Bill Simmons or some clown on ESPN talk about tennis. Then they're gonna think that's correct. And then, and then start talking like that when they think they've been educated, but they haven't been educated. So they should be watching like tennis. Like I'm not a fan of tennis channel either, I think, but there's at least the people on tennis channel, like our tennis players know what they're talking about. So, I disagree. You're, just, you're basically saying you don't want tennis to go mainstream. So I mean, yeah. that's what it's going to be like if it does go mainstream. That's what it's going to be like. So you're saying you don't want tennis I, I to guess go I just, I guess I just, I just, yeah. I just don't know what, what knowing a lot about a mainstream sport means. So we'll, I guess we'll have to see. We'll, we'll, We'll re. We'll get. We'll talk about this. If Kyrgios can somehow make the final, maybe we'll talk about it then. Maybe we'll talk about it when the Netflix comes out, or talk about it if the Netflix gets a lot of traction. Yeah. But that was. Uh, were you even supposed to talk about that? No, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, so predictions. I take Nadal over Kyrgios, I guess, but totally could Kyrgios could totally win, and then Novak Rafa. I'll just take Novak. I mean, I think Novak will probably play Rafa in the final. I have no confidence in these predictions. Just to uh, say that I'm not like staking my claim on this. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll say. Well, I, I said Fritz is going to beat Rafa. Yeah. So I'll say Kyrgios beats Fritz. I'll say Novak plays Kyrgios. I'll say Kyrgios wins Wimbledon. I don't know. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah. That. How do you think would feel <laughs> Novak? Do you think he'd feel worse losing to Kyrgios or not? I don't know. <laughs> um, what do you think is worse for him? Like how he feels and just like for him as a you know, Novak. What's worse for him? I think honestly losing to Rafa is I think worse for him. <laughs> Probably. Than losing to Kyrgios. In terms of how pissed he's going to be, yeah, I think he'll be equally pissed. What if Kyrgios just acts like a total fucking dirtbag the entire finals and then still wins? That would be good for the sport. <laughs> Yeah, like just total antics. Like, because I think Kiros, he, he's one of the guys who we need tennis to be a little more com- combative. Like, we were watching, I was watching the UFC fight uh, the other day, and obviously that's way too much, but that's a one on one sport that's built up so much. Like, imagine if Kiros like walked out with like some sick outfit or some statement or something like that. Like, that thing, I think we need tennis for, for tennis. That I, kind of thing. Just like the yeah. Nazi said, yeah. for a new tradition, walk out music. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't that. ruin, and that has nothing to do with you know his his attitude or his behavior. It's just like something extra to the sport. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and that's stuff I love about Kings. You know, the celebrations, the fashion, the 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 comments. But it's just the being an asshole, being a bad person, <laughs> and being an asshole for no reason. That's that's where I'm against. I'm not against his what people are saying about him. Usually, I agree with about him. You know, about his personality. I guess. What I don't agree with this is the way he treats people. Um, yeah, and it, it does feel like the mental health thing is just, you know, bullshit. A f- excuse for, I can treat people like shit because I self-harmed one time and I have mental health issues. You know, it's just not an excuse to treat people in a bad way. If anything, it should make you treat people better because you're like, they might have what, the, what are they right? maybe going through? Like, what if Stephanos is going through something, you know? Say something like that uh, about him. Yeah, saying he has no friends. Or yeah, saying someone has no friends. Uh, but on a lighter note, yeah. trivia and games. Trivia and games. Okay. Trivia yeah, and let's games. Do it. Let's do it. We should do that. I know it's still getting a lot of word from from the fans yeah. that they're liking favorite the trivia. Segment. Their favorite segment is the trivia and games, so yeah. we're, we'll keep that going. 
Um, so do you have any trivia or anything for me? Trivia and games? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have some. It's on my phone, but we're using Okay, sure. Do you, want, do you want to just give me some? Let me see if I can. Maybe I can pull it up. Uh, yeah, you go, you go first. You go first. Okay. Um, do you want trivia or a quote? Give me a quote. Um, okay. This is the quote. You ready? Yep. I'm like good wine. Good wine always ages well, and that's what happens to me. Nick Kyrgios. I'm just let me give you the options. Okay. It's Nick Kyrgios, Tatiana Maria, Roger Federer, or Lisa Cornet. I feel like if it was like Federer or who was the other who was the other guy? Curios. I feel like it was Curios or Federer, I would have heard it. So I'm gonna say my that's my thought process is that it's gonna be either Cornet or who is it? Tatiana Maria, the yeah, yeah, the girl two kids. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It sounds I just don't think Alize Cornet's English is good enough for that. So I'm gonna say Tatiana Maria. Incorrect. It was Elise Cornet after she ended Ego Streak. Oh wow! <laughs> Which is actually great because we can we're gonna talk about that probably um, after trivia and stuff. But. Yeah, well, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess a lot of drink a lot of wine in France. Yes, yes, so, yes. It's, uh, I mean, it's kind of a I love that concept. It's, funny, it's so that. it's actually so funny. She said, "I'm like good wine. A good wine always ages well." And that's what happens with me. That's so funny. Also, honestly, I was you know like maybe last year I was like, "She's so old. Why is she still playing?" Yeah. Um, she's losing so much. I remember thinking that and now this, so congrats to her on that. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, do you have a... Do I have a quote? Or, tri or trivia? I have both. I have, I, have, I have something. I don't have... That's my last quote. I can give you a quote. Here's my quote. I'm looking at it, right? You just showed it to me. Oh, you saw it? I saw I saw. I saw the person. Oh, my <laughs> You showed it to me. Wait, but so the, the person is not the picture. Okay, perfect. perfect. Oh, so yeah. you don't know. Okay, Just don't okay. show me your phone, though. Okay, I won't. So here's the quote. It's not him. Okay. No. Nadal was the first one to really challenge Roger. Yeah. And they had this amazing rivalry for a few years. Yeah. Then, of course, Novak Djokovic came along. Yeah. But Novak has probably been Nadal's most difficult opponent. Okay. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on the quote. Can you read it one more time? Nadal was the first one to challenge Roger. Yeah. And they had this amazing rivalry yep. for a few years. Then, of course, Novak came along, but Novak has probably been Nadal's most difficult opponent. Novak has been Nadal's... Yeah, I would say that. I mean, Nadal has a winning record against Federer. He has a losing record against Novak. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Novak has been Rafa's hardest opponent, for sure. Uh, I don't think you can discount the fact that towards the end of 2016-2017, Federer went on a run where he beat Nadal, like, eight times in a row on hardcourt, and the last time that they were playing... Federer kind of had the edge. I think Federer and Nadal, yeah, Nadal does have more wins, but they're kind of similar. But at the same time, Nadal and Djokovic, if you look at their stats for the like majors, all the services, everything, they're basically they're basically identical. They're very close to each other. Um, so yeah, Novak's been Nadal's toughest opponent, but I don't think by that much. I think Federer's also been a tough opponent for Rafa. Okay. Um, and now your choices for who it was was it A. John McEnroe, B. Patrick McEnroe, C, Matt Willender, or D, Brad Gilbert? Uh, John Patrick. I'll say, it sounds like something Matt Willender would say, because just 
the way it's worded. I feel like John McEnroe is more controversial. Patrick McEnroe just never says anything of a note. And who's the, uh, so with Mass Miller, who's the fourth guy? BG, Brad Gilbert. Brad Gilbert doesn't make coherent points. That's a co- coherent point. Brad Gilbert just says random shit that doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I'll go with Wheelander. That's correct. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Cruising that one out. Um, okay, I have a, tri- I have a, I have a trivia. All right. Do you have a trivia? Uh, I do have trivia. Okay. I have to find it. You give me your trivia first. Okay, I've, I'll let you choose. Do you want a British-centric trivia that's you're going to, like, be able to answer, or do you want just, like, a random stat, uh, like, about the Wimbledon tournament? British-centric trivia. Okay, this is a very easy trivia question. Oh, crap. I, mean, so, I have to get it right. Let's just go with this. Um, so, nine British players this year made the second round of Wimbledon, the most since 1997, and men's and women's combined. Very simple question. Can you name the nine British players that made the second round one one? Made the second round this year? Yes. Oh, you should be a, able to get this it. This is right? a good this is a good question. <laughs> this is a good question. Okay. Nine that made the second round. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how how do I do this? I don't think how I do this systematically so I don't like <laughs> forget anyone. Uh, actually, okay. Heather Watson. Mm-hmm. Harriet Dart. Mm-hmm. Emma Raducanu. Mm-hmm. Jack Draper, mm-hmm. not Paul Jubb. No. There's actually ten. Sorry, because there's someone who's not. You said he's on this list, so I apologize. There's ten. Uh, Paul Jubb's not there. He lost first round. Correct, he's not. But there is ten people on the list. Oh, no, no, okay, no. okay, okay. Then there's Andy Murray, mm-hmm. Cam Nori. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, what? Um, who else? British girls. Oh, oh, Barge? Barge woman? No, 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 no. Katie Bolter. Yes. So how many am I missing? Three? I, how many do you have so far? I think seven. So then you're missing three. I'll just, yeah. Let me just try and think. And then I'll, I'll be honest. If I got them all, I need to read them. Um, oh, Dan Evans. He lost for strong. I can't just say no. Yeah, he lost for strong, but. Yeah. Um, Alistair Gray. It's at least a second round. So if you pass the second round, obviously. Yeah, yeah. still in there, yeah. Oh, I said Kendall already. Easy. Um, There's one that you're going to be like, oh, damn it. One that I'm... There's a couple. Actually, everyone. Because you're going to be like, yeah, I was like, do that. You know? Yeah. Katie's one did not make it. I said Emma... Guys, are you just right? There's, there's, so there's so many wild cards in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just give it to you? Sure. Okay, it's Liam Brody, Katie oh, Bolter. Okay, let me just see which one I forgot. I forgot Liam Brody. <laughs> Fucking awful with me. Yeah, Katie Bolter, Harriet Darb, Got Jack him. Draper. Got him. Uh, Gray, Alistair Gray. Got him. Andy Murray. Got him. Cam Nori. Yeah, yeah, I said Cam Nori. Ryan Penniston. Forgot Ryan Pennington. Rodicanu. Said her. You didn't say Emma. Yeah, I did. Okay, I, so then I, I think then I you got three. Eight. I, I think I, I think there's one more I forgot. And then Watson. Kind of Watson. I said I that. You did I, say her. I did say her. I yeah. did the first one I said. I think I only missed Ooh, two. You got eight. Then. Yeah. 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 So you lost. Stop. You didn't forget Liam Brody and Pennington. Liam Brody Pennington. I did not say. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. But not bad. 
Okay, do you have a trivia? But given how much of a fan I am of the British tennis, I feel like I should have gotten, gotten all of them. I um, think Alistair Gray, I probably wouldn't have gotten. What uh, a random That guy. one really, I, yeah, but he got far, right? Third round? Second. Oh, he lost second round. To France, yeah. Oh, I just feel like we're in the, I feel like we're in the end of the second week. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 90%. Oh, oh, I have a good quote. I'm going to do, let's do one more quote. Okay, ready? fine. Yeah. One more quote and then we're done with trivia. Yeah. Uh, you might have seen this. Okay, if I saw it, we'll do the trivia. Though. Yeah. Grass favors better movers more than better servers. First of all, your thought on the I definitely quote. saw that. Oh. Better yeah. movers more than better servers? Yeah. You, you know, you know, you already know the answer. You know the answer? Uh, oh, oh, you want my thoughts on the quote? or Leave your thoughts on the quote. I still think the serve is more important. I do too. Than the movement. The movement's obviously really important. We saw that with Sinner against Alcaraz. Also, Alcaraz's serve, I'm just going to say, needs some improvement. He doesn't get that many free points, so he doesn't have a huge serve or perfect movement. Um, yeah, that's basically my thought. I think the serve is still bigger, more important. Okay. And you know, do you know who said it? I mean, no, I don't. Like oh, you give me the options. Like, yeah, I'll give you the options. Yeah, so that, yeah, you'll probably remember when you hear yeah. the options. Okay. Was it A, Marin Cilic? <laughs> B, John Isner? Okay. C, Tommy Paul? Okay. Or D, Riley Opelka? Okay, I didn't see this. So, no, I didn't see this quote. Like, I, I don't know who it is. Um, there's a big server. I gave you Chillage. You gave him a bunch of big serves. I'll just say Opelka because I feel like he has some quotables. Oh, it was Opelka. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, I just totally disagree with, but I guess no, maybe they're slowing the courts down. I think just Opelka himself is not that good on grass. And he happens to have a big serve, so he's just thinking from his perspective, like, movement must be better because I'm bad. Uh, maybe. On grass. It's, it's not true. I guess. Well, do you, I mean, does Felix have... Felix does have good movement, actually. Yeah, he has really good movement. Does Chapavo have a good movement? Not. Yeah, I think so. Okay, it's so they pretty both good. Have a big a, yeah, I think really. I mean, I, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Joker Nole has amazing movement. Yeah, Joker Nole is good. Maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the movement does matter more. Um, maybe the movement does matter more. Well, like, I think look also, Baratini also, against Baratini against Joker. It also depends on your returning. It all depends, yeah. it depends on so many. I, mean, I don't weird, think. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you can make that statement. I don't think. I think it's tough. Tough to definitely Just say. Tough to They're both important. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the women's side of the draw. Uh, a lot going on there. Ego's streak ending. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that's when where you have to start because I feel like when Iga is in the draw, starting with this event, and odds on favorite, you're really like, it's the field against Iga. Um, she came out. First match won pretty easily. Second match had to come back from, you know, losing the second set. Uh, I would say her just grass court game does not look comfortable, even though her movement's amazing, which is interesting considering the quote we just talked about. Um, Her movement's amazing, but her – and her shots are also compact. But at the same time, she just doesn't look comfortable uh, on grass. So I'm not sure. Maybe she should have played some warm-up term or something. Maybe she's just exhausted. Um – I was expecting the streak to come to end at some point, but 6-4, 6-2 against Elise Cornet is not the way I would expect it to end. I would expect it to be maybe against someone like a Bedosa or a Halep or just one of the top, top players that was better on the day. So 
not surprised the streak ended. All streaks have to come to an end at some point, but in the manner that it did, probably a little bit. And the second set was the six-two set was disappointing because Iga went up a break in the in the second, and then basically Corday rattled off six straight games. So uh, great tennis from from Elise. Uh, she was playing amazing, but at the same time, I thought Iga could have done better. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this is that it just opens up the women's draw so much, and literally anyone who's in the draw could win it, which makes it really, really exciting um, for me. And they're not all chasing Iga. And I think seeing her lose has also just given a shot in the arm to these contenders like Halep, Anna Ribakina, Hans Jabor. Um, I can't wait because I think anything can happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree that anything can happen. And it certainly made me take a closer look at at kind of who all is in it and who I really think can come through. So that's fun because I think really the whole tournament, I was just kind of banking on Iga to get to the finals, even though maybe, I don't know if that was a great thought on my part. With regards to how the streak came to an end, I am not surprised. I mean, I think anything, anything, can, ha- anything can happen on any given day. Um, you saw she had a tough three-setter. I think it was around before. Yeah, against a qualifier. Or like a yeah, against, the, you know. Lucky loser. Yeah, lucky loser. Someone you kind of wouldn't expect to push her that much. So I wasn't too shocked that she lost. I actually saw – I didn't watch the match against Cornet, but – It was – Cornet played amazing. I, I didn't see – I don't think I saw any of it, but I remember looking on my phone at the scores and uh, and Eagle lost. And I wasn't even like – I wasn't even like, oh, holy cow. You know? Really? Not at all. I was like, all right, I guess the streak's over. I was not – like, yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, like, yes, I was like, oh, wow. But also the fact that it was Alizé Cornet, someone who I said previously just on this podcast, there's someone who was doing so bad, she's old, I'm like, why is she not retiring or something? Yeah. So it was, it was, I was actually happy to see that it was her that, that beat uh, Ika, but I wasn't like, I was a little bit shocked that it was her, but I wasn't terribly shocked by her uh, lo- losing, losing. I had the match. same feeling. I wasn't, you know, like when a big streak comes to an end, I don't know, think about, like, the Patriots, maybe when they lost the Super Bowl, or anyone. Like, if this was Novak who lost in the third round, I feel like we would think the world is coming to an end or something. It would be, like, the biggest story. But I feel like this is kind of like a muted loss, even though it was ending the streak. I think it's a muted loss, but also you're forgetting, like, I, like we said on Ulf a while ago, we, Ego is not, like, getting the respect that she deserved. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's a little bit yeah. muted. I, don't, I still don't yeah. know why that is. Um... Yeah, but also you can't compare it to Djokovic losing in the third round. Like, she doesn't have this insane rivalry with, like, Rafa. Yeah, of course. Um, it is disappointing for her, though, because this if she would have, like, won this one, then maybe maybe she would have become more of, like, a global star, like a, you know, like a Emirati Kanu or, um, like, a I don't know. Maybe, but I don't even think so. Yeah. Like, like you know. Why Why is she not? Still a question in my mind. But do you think now moving into the U.S. Open, swaying the U.S. Open, do you think she's – I mean, obviously she's going to be a contender at the U.S. Yeah. Open unless something crazy happens right. during during the you know the lead-up tournament. Yeah. But what do you think it's going to look like for her? For I expect her to start season? dominating in the hardcore season. Really? I think she's just a little tired. I think she'll get like a month off. I still believe in the streak Iga as opposed to this one match that she lost. So this whole tournament she didn't play great. Um, I still think that she's better than everyone. I don't think, I'm not going to say that she was relieved that she lost, but she did not necessarily look 
devastated. It just looks like she's played so much tennis. When you win every single tournament, and you have to just keep playing and keep winning, there has to be a part of that where there's a burden that that streak is gone, right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't even know what that's and like. You've already won the French Open. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's an issue. I think, hopefully, I will say, I think her next tournament back, whenever that is, what is she playing next? I don't know what her schedule looks like, but probably like one, maybe like Toronto or or like whatever the Canadian thousand, maybe. Canadian. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's not confirmed for the DC two hundred and fifty. She's not playing the DC two hundred and fifty. Unfortunately. Unfortunate. Also, gonna give a shout out to our listeners in DC. We saw that there we had a lot of fans in DC. We did, which I don't know why. And uh, Drew lives in DC. I do live in DC. Yeah. Um, but shout out to um. People in DC, and we'll be in DC for the yep. DC Open. That's why we're super hyped about whoever's entered in this. We're also excited that it's a combined event this year, which we talked about before. Halep is in it, I think. Uh, Jesse Pagula, someone Coco else, really Coco good. Goff, yeah, Coco Goff. Emma Raducanu. Emma Raducanu is making the trip to DC. I think the humidity is going to get to her. <laughs> the humidity is really going to get to her. I was, we, I, we were in DC. This, I was in DC this past weekend. We played some tennis, actually. We played some tennis. Level, yeah. was, level wasn't that good. Um, but I was there also seeing some buddies, and it was just so hot. And the only thing that I could think about was that how Emirata kind of yeah. will likely not be up for the task in D.C. because the conditions are so bad. They drop like flies in D.C., these players. There's going to be a lot of retirement. They do. I, Emma, if you're listening, don't train inside in England yeah. before this tournament because you will be gassed. Don't train in the Midlands. It's going to be freaking. 40 degrees Celsius. Yeah, just come so, come to the U.S. Come to Florida. Go to Florida yeah, early and train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my advice. <laughs> I think she should hire me for her team. Advisor. Consultant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should be. Should be. So. But yeah, let's talk about Serena next. Oh, yeah. So Serena's return. Obviously, this is a long time ago at this point because it was last week. Uh, yeah, the only thing I have down here for that is... It was. It's just tough to see a champion of all-time great just look like a shadow of herself on the court. I mean, that did not look like Serena Williams. That looked like that. Yeah, that you was, know that was. It was just like very unfortunate. That was insane. I was yeah. on, honestly. I, I it's Harmony Tan. Harmony. I don't like Harmony Tan. Yeah. She's not annoying. Yeah. Um. But also, I was rooting. For, I was honestly rooting for her. For Harmony. I don't know why. Over Serena. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because Serena looked so bad. Yeah. It was brutal. I mean, she was moving so slow. The actually, court. there's actually, here's the thing. Some of the tennis analysts, I'm just going to say this right now, are, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, Vince said he didn't want Stephen A. Smith or whatever these guys, like Phil Simmons, to be talking about tennis. But a lot of the former players don't know what they're talking about either. So do you want to do an impromptu quote game here about the Serena thing? Did, who said something stupid? Okay, yeah, <laughs> let, let me just, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So this... Impromptu trivia and games. This, brought yeah. to you by. Brought to you by Harmony Ten. Brought to you by Harmony Ten. Yeah. Please and, go and finally age her. French wine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is what this is one of the analysts said. Um, they said Serena was looking great. If Serena was able to get through Harmony Ten, I think she's a legit contender to win the entire title. Who do you think said that? I mean, do you want to give me some options? Yeah, give me some options because I, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that quote. So I don't actually know, but so it'll be a good game. Okay, was it <laughs> John McEnroe? No way, he's not that stupid. Um, Tracy Austin. Oh, I hate Tracy Austin. <laughs> oh boy, Martina Navratilova or 
Mary Jo Fernandez. Okay, Mary Jo wouldn't say something that dumb. John McEnroe wouldn't say something that dumb. It's definitely Tracy Austin or Martina Navratilova. And even though I don't like Tracy Austin, yeah. like, I just don't think she'd say that. And I feel like I've heard Martina Navratilova say some dumb things before. I think. So I'll go Martina Navratilova. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Martina Navratilova, who is, in my opinion, we're talking about the most talented players. I think if you just combine men and women, she might be the most talented, like, just player in the history of tennis. Her, her or Roger. But to have someone so good at tennis, I have no idea what they're watching is astounding to me because Serena probably looked like she wouldn't be able to walk like three days after this match, even if she did win it, if I'm being totally honest. Oh, the and, ball was coming off her racket so slow. She was moving around the court like a freaking baby, like so slow. It was so sad to see. It was so, it was bad. There was one slice where she literally went to slice the ball and she hit the ball and it literally dropped like two feet in front of her. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was like. It was, it was unfortunate. It was really unfortunate to see. I thought it'd be great to just see her out there no matter how she looked, but yeah, I don't know. And also forget that she's 40 years old now. That's like Roger. I mean, that's old. And she just had a baby. She had a so, kid. She had a kid. She's old. Yeah. She looks like she's like gained some weight. I think that could be curtains for Serena. Maybe one more U.S. Open or something. Yeah, but she also said, like, I feel like it'd be cool for her to, like, say this is my last one just so everyone can get really hyped for yeah. her match. So also, I think she said she's not going to do that. So she's just going to call oh, be, it. be like, I'm done. Yeah, she's going to call it quits, like, whenever she does and without telling people. So I, mean, I, I wish she didn't do that. But I also feel like she might have decided this on a whim and she just wasn't in shape at all. Because I feel like the whole announcement came back, came out, like, last minute, you know? Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so Harmony Tan, let's talk about the t Tamara Korpash and Harmony Tan drama, because that's all over tennis Twitter, that's what like, everyone's talking about. Oh, really? This is the kind of spiciness we need. But these are also, like, yeah. <laughs> Tamara <laughs> basically tweeting on Instagram that Harmony was promised her to play doubles, um, and then didn't, you know, just not good, not good, I hate to see that, but. You don't like to see it, but also, I'll, first of all, I'll say... Maybe Harmony should have played doubles, but also singles is probably a priority for most people. And then I just wasn't a fan of her whining about Harmony not playing. Who? Doubles. Who? Tamara Korpach? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so pissed. Like, yeah. I thought that she was, I thought that, so basically this girl, Tamara, if you haven't heard, Tamara Korpach was complaining on Instagram because Harmony Tan withdrew from the doubles after, you know, her partner withdrew Ooh. from. What is Tamara? What's her deal? I, I don't know. I also thought she was over because she said it's my first Wimbledon I wanted to play. I thought she was only playing the Wimbledon doubles, but she was playing singles. So, yeah, not not great. But what do you think about these players? Like even Kyrgios withdrew from doubles too. A couple other guys withdrew. Yuri Vesely withdrew from doubles. What do you think of the guys who enter and withdraw without an injury? I mean, withdraw without an injury. Yeah, I mean, withdraw from doubles without an injury. Uh, it's tough to say because I personally I'm fine with it. Yeah, like, like if you want to focus on singles, and you feel like you have a legitimate chance, and you think doubles is gonna kind of hinder your body to a capacity that is gonna not allow you to perform well in a singles court, I have no issue with people uh, pull, pulling out of doubles. Honestly, what about, what about you? I just think that it's disrespecting like the draw because it's why why are you why are you, if you're signing up for doubles, you know you're signing up for both events before the tournament. You have one singles match that goes a little longer and you withdraw, and there should just be some sort of fine or penalty. I don't think you can just say you're injured when you're not. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, point taken, but then there should be some sort of, yeah, I guess they just got to put some measures in about how people do that. But all, it happens, that, that actually, I don't know, I disagree. It happens at every level of tennis. People <laughs> withdrawing, like, for no reason. Uh, so, obviously, it's going to happen in the pros. Happens in juniors. Happens, maybe not in college. Maybe, actually, not at all, probably. But in the juniors, you see it. Uh, you're going to see it on the pro circuit. So, I just don't think it's something you can, um, can't tell someone what to do. Okay, so let's just talk about maybe the women's draw as a whole now. We did focus on Iga's streak ending. That opened the drop. Tom Yolanovich beat Cornet. Um, for me, the standout is Halep. You know, she's won every match in straight sets. Nothing's been super close. She just destroyed Paul Bedosa, 6-1, 6-2. And plays Animasova, who I think is a good matchup for her. Um... What do you think about that Halep Animasova matchup? I think I think Halep's gonna win that. Um, yeah, I think Halep's gonna win that unless Patrick Mortagalin. I mean, yeah. Do I want Halep to win? No. I like Amanda Anisimova a lot more than I like Halep, and I also hate Patrick Mortagalou. So, like, obviously, I want his player to lose. Right. Uh, so I would love for Amanda to win that and her to get to the semifinal. That being said, I don't think she will. Um, but I will say just what I'm excited about now, I know you want to talk about the women's draw as a whole, but what I'm excited about now is it looks like we are going to get some of those marquee matchups yes. that we've been waiting for in yep. the women's game. I think Rubikina, um, Rubakina, Elena Rubakina, Elena Rubakina is going to, I think she's going to sweep the floor with Ajla, Ayla. Yeah. So I think that'll be no problem. I think it'll be like a routine a routine three and three, three and four win, something like that. Yeah. And then and then she's likely gonna play Halep, and that is always a fun match. That's so an amazing. Those match. two always go at it like yeah. dogs and have some great tennis. We were at their U.S. Open match. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun to watch, and so I'll be really excited for that if that pans out in the semifinals. Who's we we always say that me and you always say that Elena Rybakina, if she could ever get it together, could be just like a multiple-time Grand Slam champion, and that's kind of what she's doing because her movement's been good this time. Yeah, her movement's been really good in her yeah. last match. I watched her play against Petra Mardish a little bit, and she, her movement looked great. Yeah, striking the ball well. Um, Petra Mardish is good. Petra Mardish is good. You know, moving, moving her. She was moving well. She was also moving the ball around well. Yeah. And she hits the ball huge. So she's a recipe for success um, to go deep into this tournament. And it, hopefully she can continue that into the U.S. Open swing and be more consistent getting deep into these events. But it's really, really happy to see her, her success in this tournament. So you have Halep against Rubakina. And I have up against Rubakina in the semis. And then who do you think is going to win that? I would just, I just, I would say, honestly, I, I think Rubakina. I think Rubakina too. I think, yeah, I think if it was. She's any, a better version of Anna Samova. She's she, playing well. She's a better version of Anna Samova. And also, if it was any, if it was harder clay, I would take Halep. Yeah. Maybe. But if it was hard, I would definitely take Halep. Clay, I don't know, we're not going to talk about that. But the fact that it's on grass, I'm going to take Rubakina. And, okay, let's go to that bottom corner. Marie Buskova, she has the best movement right now on tour. She gets to everything. She literally gets to every single ball. She destroyed Allison Risk. She beat Caroline Garcia in straight sets. Um, she beat Danielle Collins in the first round, which was amazing. She was down, she was down a set and a break against Ons, who 
is just like looking so crafty right now. She can do anything. She hits drop shots. She had an insane first set against Mertens where the first set of the tie was 11-9. And we always talk about being clutch. Ons, brave. Brave player. Goes for it in the biggest moments. Um, and just looked like so good. So that's going to be great. A really good matchup. I would say I'm looking forward to Ons being able to make the final. I think that's going to happen. I, I agree. Just to touch on Buskova, I'm a huge fan. As everyone, as everyone knows from, if you listen to our um, our stuck on a desert deserted island segment, if you didn't listen to it, you should. I don't know what episode we did it on, but she was my pick for that. So I like her as a person. I really didn't think she was that. I watched her play at the U.S. Open. Yeah. And she just didn't look. I just think her game's improved. Oh, a lot. she's gotten way better. She's just improving, which is what you Slowly, love. Yeah. You love to see at the pro level people improving, working on their game, yeah. getting better. And for someone to be able to see that, like myself, who's like you know, seeing a pro get better is very cool. So I'm happy that she did well. Do I think she's gonna be Alan's? No, but I think it's been possible. Awesome. I think it's possible. Uh, I think it's possible. I. I think it's possible. Sure. Obviously, she's playing great. But just getting this far is awesome. And I hope I hope the I hope the streak continues. I will say there's been a few events in the past where Busca was playing qualifying and she did really well in like previous events. I'm like, how is she still in qualifying? Yeah. It was no, it's true. I didn't understand how her ranking yeah. wasn't going up. It but now true. thank thank God I'm not Oh, wait. No points for this. Yeah, it sucks. So, so that ranking is not going to help. I think it's not going to go up for that Marie. Sucks. Unfortunately, Marie. It's also just because so, so many things a factor. Like, getting into tournaments, not only that, but also being seated. Like, she's unseated in this tournament. If she got the points, she'd be seated, which means more buys, more money, easier matches. It's just going to have a cascading effect through people's careers, which is just kind of fucked up. But if anyone is going to see the positive in this, it's definitely going to be her. Mary Boo's going <laughs> to Mary Boo, yeah. Mary Boo will is just... Yeah, we'll see the positive, and we'll take away only good things from this tournament. So that's she gonna take away good things and over three hundred grand, which is also not which is not bad. Not, so not bad. So what do you think is a better chance, Mary Boo to beat Ons or Fritz to beat Rafa? I don't. I, I don't have a clear. I don't. To be honest, I don't have a clear picture of the Mary Boo of the Mary Boo mashup. <laughs> okay. Um, like. I, I don't think I can make a statement there. I don't. In my mind, I don't see the matchup playing out. Okay. Let's go to the last quarterfinal. Tatiana Maria. Two-time mother. So if Alina Savitolina is listening out there and wondering if she can ever make it back to a Grand Slam quarterfinal final. You can. You can do it. You can do it. Um, <laughs> mother of two. She's never made the third round of a major. I mean, coming out of nowhere. This happens every time. And I, I would say I like this one better because because uh, both yeah yeah you have a cinder you have a couple Cinderella stories or a few and then you also have some big guns so I like that as opposed to just being a bunch of random people or one star and a bunch of random people yeah 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 not and and yeah so she beat Sakari six three seven five she beat Kristea and Ostapenko that is a ridiculous run right there. I mean that is a very good run so I think we're gonna have to go with her to get to the semifinals. Against Niemeyer, yeah, totally. I mean, it's just, I don't think it's a question. Niemeyer did beat Kontavite, but... Kontavite's not the same player. <laughs> right now. Annette Kontavite is enjoying hot girl summer. Um, Annette, Annette needs to get together right now. 
because that was just very disappointing. Six four six zero to Niemeyer. I watched the um, Heather Watson Niemeyer match. Heather Watson looked so bad. I mean, I had the entire crowd behind her, and it was not like a good performance by Niemeyer. It was just like very average tennis. Heather, Heather Watson Niemeyer. Yeah, oh, oh, round, oh, oh, oh. round of sixteen. I thought Heather Watson could honestly maybe make the semis, but um, that was that, good. So that I think been... that in terms of running to the quarterfinals, Maria's had way more impressive wins, beating Christia Sakari and Osakenko. Um, so like, yeah, I'll take her to win. Why not? She was down two five to Osakenko too. Second set, it's wild. Yeah, I mean, I love Penko. But lost to Penka, that was just a tough loss. That's a tough loss because she could have she could have done some damage, gotten yeah. to the semis, who knows? Maybe maybe she beats Ons, maybe she wins another slam. Yeah. But I mean that's all hypothetical. But it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to these matchups. That's so for sure. I'll I think be tuned in. We both have Ribikina against Ons in the finals. Uh, is that what we have? You have Ons beating uh, Marie Buskova. Yep. And yeah, yeah, I guess we have Ons Ribikina in the final, and then I will go, I think Ons is going to win that. Yeah, me too. Uh, to, just be, to be honest. She has the more experience. Yeah. I would She's not going to be rattled. Yeah. Ribikina, it could be like a, it could be a destruction. It could be, I also think Ribikina is going to, like, the later it gets in the tournament, the more she's going to double fall. Well. Because of her nerves. Possibly. So. Yeah. She doesn't look like the type to get nervous. But she probably will. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think I think Ons is gonna win. Did you have a, we were, we picked Novak to win or Kyrgios? You you picked Kyrgios. I, I picked, picked Novak. Kegs. 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 Uh, oh my God, Kegs. Could be the most compelling fucking Wimbledon ever. That could be insane. Kegs. What if Kegs and Kegs and Adam Sova? That'd be great. That Two young great. stars for the game. That would be insane. But, yeah, I think that's... Oh, no, honorable mentions. Dude, I don't have any honorable mentions. You, you don't? No, not at all. I have one. Who? I have two. All right, we're going to do quick honorable mentions before we hop off. I don't have any. Drew has some honorable mentions. So, Drew, who are your honorable yeah, mentions? Yeah, you always have to be paying attention to every aspect of tennis. You have to have honorable mentions for the ball. I'm prepared. Um, so, uh, I have a couple. Uh, first one I'm going to go to is Brenda Frutova, Linda Frutova's little sister, 15 oh, years old. Saw that. She just won her third pro title of 2022, uh, 25K, 15 years old. Um, she's definitely coming uh, soon to be in the uh, uh, WTA Tour level. So it'll be fun to see those two sisters as they rise up the ranks. And my second honorable mention is going to be to the first person in the queue for Wimbledon tickets. Uh, I think he's a uh, man of Asian descent. I believe he's <laughs> <laughs> British, but I'm not sure if he's Asian or, or, or where he's from, but what? has a sick picture. He's pitched his tent outside 6 p.m. on the Friday before Wimbledon. Um, the queue officially opens on 2 p.m. on Sunday. He pitched his tent at 6 p.m. on Friday. So he was living in the tent for his, that entire weekend, and the queue officially opened at 10 a.m. on Monday. So... He was there from basically 6 p.m. Friday to 10 a.m. Monday and was able to get tickets uh, for Wimbledon. Um, so shout out to that guy. Unfortunately, they don't have a name here. Wimbledon tweeted it out. Um, but that's a real tennis fan. We call ourselves tennis fans. The I, entire weekend in a tent to get Wimbledon tickets. <laughs> that's absurd. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, honestly, if I did that, I, wouldn't, I would be so exhausted 
you'd think by the time the Wimbledon rolled around, I don't, wouldn't even be able to enjoy it. And we'll throw up this on our social media. We'll still throw some pics on our Instagram and our Twitter um, of this guy with honorable mention. So yeah. Um, so shout out to that guy. So if we can ever meet him, or if you're listening to the pod, I mean, he's probably listening to the pod. Dedicated tennis fan. He's probably listening to the pod. If he if if, if he's that much of a tennis fan, he's probably listening to every freaking tennis. Would you podcast. ever? Okay. Would you ever say? Would you ever do that for Wimbledon tickets? Um, I guess sure. If I, if I had to do that. Yeah, but also like, there's no need to like, there's no need to go that early. Really. Like, there's just that's just like your I don't know what his deal is. Like, if there was, if it was, curious, I just want to get in. Like, curious, everyone, everyone's getting the yeah. same ticket. It's not like he's like the first guy there. He's gonna get like courtside seats. Curious, Djokovic, Wimbledon final ticket. Would you do that for a weekend? Just live in the tent. A weekend? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, of for free, for a ticket for free. Like, yeah, of course. in the stadium. Yeah. Yes, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you would do it in theory to watch that. Yeah, I would. Yeah. But yeah, that about wraps up. This is a long one, guys. But we, we might have an episode after this quarterfinals. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe yeah. before uh, the Wimbledon's over. But apologize for the no episode for a while. But we're back on track, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, we're excited to see what happens.